0: This is an excerpt from Different Ways, Revealing the Feminine by Seal, published in 2020. Chapter 18, Excerpts from Running Out of Sand, Part 1. I cannot recall the trigger. Perhaps it was the boys chasing each other, whooping like they were on a warpath through the house in wild abandon. I do remember snapping, though. I do remember reaching out and grabbing for my oldest son as he ran by me, missing and catching the younger boy and slamming him into the wall and screaming at a shrill, stop, just stop. I was trembling and ashamed that I had laid a hand on my child, but I wasn't done. My rage churned in me. Turning from him and shaking, I dove towards the kitchen chair. I lifted it, and I slammed it down, slammed it down, slammed it down, and slammed it down again, then threw it across the room, crying. I slowly settled into a miserable pile of me. I knew I was losing it again, slipping ever so steadily towards the precipice. I won't hurt the boys. I can't hurt the boys. I needed help. The only help I knew about was in the form of a counselor I had seen as a teen when I was sent to her as an incorrigible weeper. Now the years were piling up. Nervously, I looked her up to find she still had a practice and I made an appointment. I had no car. I had no money and I had no prospects. I had two children, subsidized housing, and a state-funded insurance for the poor, and she was the only place I knew to begin. I was terrified of what I was getting into with a psychologist. I couldn't worry about what someone might find out about me, but I did worry. If I was found out as crazy, I may lose a voice. It was clear If I could slip out of control like that once, I could do it again. I had no choice but to go see her. Because I had no car, I had my sister come pick me up and take me in for my appointment. I told her very little about what I was doing, just an appointment. I knew she didn't have much respect for psychology. I was so busy trying to keep my nerves in line, I didn't even realize where we were going. It was just an address. Even getting out of the car, I noticed nothing. I thanked my sister for the ride, made a pickup arrangement, and put my head down and scampered up the steps and through the front door to face a lovely young woman at a desk in a foyer of a Victorian house. She took my information, and I sat down in one of the wooden chairs provided there. I think my first focus fell on the wallpaper. Then the scope of my vision widened, I was struck dumb as I realized that I was in my friend Thaddeus' house. My head felt as if it was caught in a vice. My heart sunk as my counselor descended the stairs to escort me up to her office. Trapped. Slowly, I followed her up the stairs just as I had followed Thad's dad years before. Now, in a terrified awe of confusion, I was escorted back up through the wreckage, this time to learn how to trust again. It was a steep climb. She made nice with me for about five minutes, then casually asked me about my sex life. I tried to be casual back, because, you know, I'm cool. I'm supposed to be a modern woman. Sex is good. Everyone has some. She saw through me. I bore the shame of her seeing me, and my answers to her questions were steely and guarded. I didn't want to talk to a stranger about my sex life. What the hell? Can't we joke it up a bit, ease the tension? Psychologists are so annoying with their relentless probing. Finally, I admitted to her that I had been in this house before. I spent a good deal of my high school years partying here. And eventually... Before my hour was up, I admitted, pointing, that I was raped in the room just on the other side of that wall. What I didn't say until much later was that I felt that I deserved it. She sat back and cocked her head and without skipping a beat said, Well, I guess we know why you are here. Setting down the chains, My years with being counseled at Echidomam were life-changing. I learned an entire new language with the help of being witnessed by friends I made there. I picked my way through the script I was given and the one I made up to compensate for what I didn't understand. I developed a new place and a language for myself in the world, one that didn't involve my being constantly berated and terrified. I learned how to be gentle with myself and with my sons. I learned how to make new choices, take responsibility, trust, open up. I learned for the first time the truth about my sexuality and eventually found enough confidence to allow myself an orgasm. I was 27 years old before I figured out how to stay with my body during an orgasm. I had them constantly, of course, but I wasn't present for them. My orgasms were Entirely dependent and attended to by my sympathetic nervous system. I was too scared from previous traumas to be trapped in my body like that with such overwhelming feelings. I was never with anyone who noticed or cared if I was or wasn't anywhere around during sex. To be fair, even I didn't notice until I took myself through the process safely. Sadly, if anyone got that close to me, I had to leave my body to be with them. It was the price I paid for intimacy and to be touched. I had this power returned to me in the very house where I left it. I had learned by being molested that I would leave my body if I was scared to feel safer. I had to abandon myself. I learned in this house, being raped, that if I didn't abandon my body... I could die trapped. It took a village and it is hard not to give an appreciation in considering the different means of healing and a universal power at work in a life when you consider my journey to this door in this way. Thank you for listening.